Um, again, welcome. I'm grateful that you're here. Uh, I, I trust that you're grateful to be here as well. So join me in prayer this morning, and then we're going to uh, look at the focus this morning of, of Scripture. Lord God, we come to you this morning wanting to hear from you. I, I want to hear from you. I know that you have spoken. You've spoken through your word. And though the passage of scripture that we look at today was uh, directed towards a group 2,000 years ago, it has so much implication for us today. And so I pray that we would be able to have hearts that are open and receptive to hearing what you have for us this morning. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Question for you. Um, Do you enjoy working out? (laughs) I I hear some laughing. I I see some heads going like this. Some of you, um, I think some of you work out. Well, I know some of you work out. I'm not going to put anyone on the spot, but I know some of you actually work out. I had a conversation this morning with someone who just said that they were able to work out again. Um, Some of you like to work out. If you're like me, working out is never fun. It's never like, oh, I really want to go work out. But it's always worth it in the end. You know, like after I go for that walk or that jog or after I do some aerobic exercises or lift weights or something like that, then I'm like, that was worth it. But beforehand, it's usually kind of like, again, you know, the alarm clock. See, for me, um, I try my best. We have a treadmill and I try my best to run five times a week. And so the alarm goes off and it's okay. I got to get out there again. And I usually, that's usually met with some resistance, especially on a Monday morning. On a Monday morning, it's kind of like, kind of would like to just not, not go out and do this. But, but I, I do it, and even as I'm halfway through it, I'm thinking, oh, Nathan, it'd be so much easier if I was just in bed. And then when I'm done, it's kind of like, oh, that, was, that was worth it. That was good. I come back in, and Kelsey says, how was your run? Oh, it was good. It was good. I'm glad I went. I'm glad I went. Um, working out is, is not always the most enjoyable. When I was a teenager, I had a college-age student who poured into me. Um, I was, my, my memory says I was either seventh or eighth grade. And he really just spiritually wanted to pour into me. And he came up to me and he said, Nathan, I have a question for you. Would you take my weight set? And would you store that in your garage? And there's a catch. The catch is this. You store it in your garage, and then you let me come over to your house once a week and work out with you. And I was like, explain the catch. Like, this is too good to be true. You're already the guy that I respect, I look up to, and now you want to come to my house and work out with me once a week? You're, that's, that's incredible. Uh, I think the answer is yes, you can do that. And so we would, we would work out. He came for at least a year. I think that he, I know he eventually moved away, and he just was, Nathan, you can just have my bench set. 
And, and we, would, we would work out together, you know, doing arm curls. And I remember, and it's a little bit vain, but I remember like the car was parked in the garage and, and we would kind of go up and put ourselves sideways and do our arm curls this way. And man, I'm telling you that, that like a tinted window is fabulous when it comes to arm definition as you're working out. I was like, ooh, this is worth it. This is worth it. You know, and then we would do bench sets and he, he would spot me, okay. And he would he just push me and encourage me. And I, I really recognize that in that, it wasn't about working out or about weights. He was really wanting to pour into me spiritually. Like he cared about me. That's, that's, what, that's what this was all about. Why is it that so many areas of life teach us a general principle that if you want to grow, it takes discipline? And yet when it comes to our spiritual life, kind of like, eh, I don't really want to, that doesn't apply there. I, I think that if we're honest, we like to have saved by grace, through faith, it's nothing of myself, yay, I'm off the hook. We would probably not say that out loud, but I think that our actions would probably convince other people that's really what we believe. Hey, it's all about grace. Now, Please hear me. This message is not a works-oriented message. This is not about, hey, you've you got to muster up your own works. You know, grow in your own righteousness. My righteousness is nothing of my own doing. It is completely of Jesus. Completely. And yet, just because I'm saved by grace... I don't think that means that I just coast the rest of my life through and say, hey, (laughs) saved by grace. Saved by grace at the moment of salvation, yes. Saved by grace continuously, yes again. But but I I think there is a sense of, there there is something that we do to pursue growth. If, If you want to grow in the area of knowledge, if, if you want to um, be a better student, then you've got to turn in your homework, preferably on time. You've got to read the re- do the required readings. You've got to show up to class, whether that's online, in person, or um, in, at home. We're all at home, right? Most of us are at home. Not everyone's at home right now. Um, there, there's, there's things that you've got to do if you want to really advance yourself academically, athletically. If you care to be a great athlete, you have got to apply yourself. You can't just say, well, hey, it's just going to come easy. And it does come easier for some people than for others. But still, even those great athletes have to work at becoming a better athlete. I was so proud of my son, my oldest son, who is a freshman in college out at Tabor. The coach, one of the coaches sent us videos of my son, and he plays tennis out there as a college freshman. And the videos, I think that this tennis coach sent four, four or five videos, 
And Kelsey and I watch those, and it's so, so warming for us because we can't be there. And so for this tennis coach to say, hey, I know that you're in Oregon. I know it's hard to have your son in Kansas. So I'm going to just take pictures occasionally and send you video footage of your son playing tennis. And we're just like, hey, thank you. That warms our heart tremendously. And I was watching, and I told Kelsey, I was like, my goodness, he has gotten so much better. I mean, I, I could just, I was watching him serve. I was like, yikes. He just like hammered that. I was like, I would hate to be on the other receiving end of that, let alone like with a racket. I mean, I would just, I would hate to be there because they were just like, just bam. Like he, he has improved so much. Why has he improved so much? Because he has been conditioning since August every day. He's been practicing, preparing for the spring every day, except for Christmas break. He took a break there, and he went back, and he was like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. We, we get it that if you want to succeed, it requires discipline. It's the same thing if you want to have financial health. It doesn't just happen overnight. Discipline is required Kelsey and I are going through a financial class right now, a six-week course that we can kind of do at our own pace, and it is geared to pastors. And one thing that the instructor said is the average person can get out of debt. This is rabbit trail, okay? Just, just know it, but it, it, uh, it's going to come around, okay? Follow me here. The average person can get out of debt in three to ten years. Average person can get out of debt. The average person, by the way, is in debt. They can get out of debt in three to ten years. It takes discipline. It just take, it takes discipline. I asked my wife last night, are there areas in life that we just grow naturally and it doesn't take discipline? She said, well, she said, I, I think of a ten-year-old like, you don't have to tell a 10-year-old, hey, just get real disciplined and you'll probably grow up to be like your dad. You know, like, no, you're just going to naturally grow. That, that happens, okay? That, that happens. Um, she also said our ears continue to grow whether we like it or not for the rest of our life. Did you know that? Our ears and our nose Oh, joy, our ears and our nose grows for the rest of our life, whether we do anything about it or not. And if we try to do something about it, I guess we could try to go with plastic surgery or something like that. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. It just grows. It happens. Um, Weeds. Weeds just kind of, they're just there. I went out already once this year into my yard to weed. I never had to do anything to plant them. They're just there. But, But guess what? All of the good things that I want in my life, that takes discipline. And that takes discipline in your life. Fellow Christian, why do we sometimes believe, oh, again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. This is nothing of yourselves. It's the gift of God so that none of us get a boast. Yeah, very true. 
This is fully true. I'm not here to say anything that goes contrary to that. But we also should not forget the verse that follows. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. You've been saved by grace. It has nothing to do with how good you are. No, it's Jesus. But you're saved by grace. Your salvation is maintained by grace all your life long. I fully believe that. And yet we also have a purpose. Spiritual growth is going to take time. It's going to take discipline. Are you up for the discipline? Are you up for that? Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. This is the book that we are working through. Um, Lord willing, we will be finished with this book by Easter, which is the very first Sunday of, of April. So we're, we're moving through this at a, at a good pace. Last week, you recall, if you were with us, we looked at verses 1 through, uh, I think it was verse 11, and then I, I gave the example of uh, verses 19 through 24, the example of Timothy. Okay? Timothy was a human example of Christ's humility. Paul talks directly about Christ and his humility, how he intentionally chose humiliation and then God exalted him. God brought exaltation. And then we ended last week by saying, hey, these are great examples, especially Christ, and you and I are called to model after Jesus with the same mindset, the same humility. We are called. Okay, and then there's this passage of Scripture in between, sandwiched in between what we looked at last week, and it's where I'm going today. Last May, I preached on this text. I recognize it has not been a very long time since I've preached on this text. Now, I preferably, I try not to preach on a text that close together. I mean, so far, I've been here for three and a half years, and I've tried not to overlap and have duplicates so far, and I don't think I have. Today, you're going to get one. I want to give it a different focus. Last year, our theme was shine. Remember that? It was shine. We're called to shine. And so this passage here that we're going to look at really talks about shining. You shine like stars in the universe. What a beautiful metaphor to explain believers. That's fully true. But I want to focus on the verses that come right before this because last time I preached this message, I did not focus on what I'm going to focus on today. All right, Philippians 2, let's start with verses 12 and 13. Therefore, so in light of Jesus' humiliation, intentional humiliation, therefore, in light of that, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. All right, stop there. So we get to a passage like this, and the verse I'm focusing on, you've probably guessed already, is a verse where it says this, continue to work out your salvation 
with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation. So we get to a verse like this, and I I really think a verse like this in a, a group like us, some of us are probably a little bit perhaps bothered. I don't like this. I'm saved by grace again. For by grace are you saved. Let's, let's be preaching more of that. And, and there can be some that are like, I don't know if I'm so, I don't know about this. Sounds a little bit works oriented to me. Um, and, and then for some it might be um, really this excitement. Yes, 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 amen. Come on, let's get busy. We've got work to be done. Come on, challenge the believers. Come on. Enough of us are, we, we just pretend as though, yeah, we, we take advantage of God's grace and we, we forget that, that, that there is work to be done and it takes discipline. And so regardless of where you're at, can we put that aside? Regardless of where we come at this passage from, can we put that aside? And can we allow Scripture to speak? Can we allow Scripture to say, What it says, it does say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It does say that. Can you notice what it does not say? It does not say, work for your salvation. It never says that. It's not, Paul is not saying, hey, believers in Philippi, I have a message for you. I want you to work out or work for your salvation. No, he does not say that. That would be completely contrary to Scripture. This is not work for your salvation. No, he's saying, I want you to work out your salvation. And I believe that there is a huge difference. Salvation. And, and before I go on, I, I just think about how our own Christianese we, we throw out words like salvation so easily and we, a sense that we just, I just know what we're talking about. God reaching down through Jesus, wanting to reconcile a relationship which has been severed, broken. God wanting to reach down, reconcile us, and he does this. He brings us to him, back to God the Father, And how does he do this? He does this through Jesus, through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. Through that, we have salvation. This, what I'm speaking of, salvation is a gift. It's a gift. A gift is not something that you work for. It is just given to you. It's just offered to you. This is yours for the taking. Will you take it? Will you receive this? Becomes a question. So this is not working for something. Working for something implies compensation. There is nothing within me that deserves salvation from God. I don't deserve it. I haven't done anything to deserve it. And neither have you. And yet God in his great mercy and grace offers forgiveness to you and to me. He offers us new life. 
when we place our faith in his son, Jesus. What an incredible gift. Because it does not matter who we are. The gift is for all. I don't believe that means that all will be saved. There is a choice that we make. Do I receive this gift? Do I receive the gift? Uh, Take your Bible and and turn back one page. I want to, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm wanting to just give you a framework to just process this this scripture passage. Philippians 1, we already looked at this three weeks ago, 1 and verse 6, it says this, being confident of this. We have confidence of this, that he, who's the he? It's God, God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Who started the good work? God did. God started the work. And guess what? God is the one who is going to carry on the good work. God starts a good work in you. The moment that you placed your faith in Jesus, I don't know when that moment was, but I trust that you know, like when the the light bulb turned on and you said, aha, yes, this makes sense. I've perhaps been resisting this and I didn't want to believe this. And all of a sudden, yes, I I found that, yes, this is true. And I surrender my life to Jesus. Jesus, I need you to forgive my sin. At that moment, God began a good work in you. And God is going to be faithful to bring that to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That day is coming yet. So God is still working on you. You you might sense him working on you right now. You know the difficult things that we go through? I think those are reminders that God is, is working on us. So keep that verse in mind. But now turn back again to chapter 2 of Philippians and, and also look at verse 13 because I don't want to forget this verse here. Again, a framework for all of this. It says, for it is God who works in you. God is the one who works in you to act according to his good purpose. God is working in you. Do you sense that? Do you, do you recognize that? Yes, God, you are working in me. Sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes it's hard. But God, you're working on me. You're speaking to me. You're reminding me of, of your presence. That's, this is all true. So perhaps framework here. God began the good work. Philippians 1 verse 6. God continues to work in us. Philippians 2 verse 13. But Paul also communicates that he wants people. He wants believers in Philippi to also work out their salvation. And I believe if this is true for the believers of Philippi, it is true for me. And it's true for you. That we are called to work out our salvation. The verb tense that's used here, indicates this command has an ongoing emphasis. Like, begin this, but continue this. 
Just because you're doing it today doesn't mean that it's guaranteed that you'll be doing it again next year. So you need to choose to do this. You continue in this. And this gives a sense of discipline. Discipline that's needed. Spiritual discipline that is, that is needed. I think this is beautiful. Because what I gather from these three verses, Philippians 1, 6, Philippians 2, 12, and Philippians 2, 13, is that we have the opportunity to partner with God. God started the work. God continues the work. And God calls us to partner with him to work out our salvation. How you doing with that? How you doing with that? These words, I think, and I'm not, I'm not saying that they're not received well among Kingwood. I don't believe that necessarily. I, I do think that these words would have been a lot more popular 50 years ago. I think that these words are hard to take in when we are entitled people. And we are increasingly coming entitled more and more by the day in our culture. That is who we are. I believe this is regardless of age. Although age can have something to do with it because, again, if you're older, then you have memories of what it was like 50 years ago and how things were perceived so you have, have more to draw from than someone who's younger and just says, this is how it is. But I think that these words can be hard. What are you saying? I got to work out my salvation? That's ridiculous. I mean, I, I can just hear some voices in my head of people I know who I believe are fully saved, but who probably just say, ah, I don't think, of, I don't think so. Nate, you're getting a little bit crazy there. Work out your salvation? I don't know about that. I don't work for anything. For by grace am I saved through faith. You know, quoting that. Again, this is fully true. But I fear for the believer who chooses to ignore the call that Paul gives to work out our salvation. I fear that they will miss out I believe that they will be saved, yes, because God is gracious and merciful. I believe they will be saved, but perhaps as one just barely escaping the fire. When I say that, I draw reference to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 15. Paul told another church in Corinth. He said, your foundation is Jesus. He's your foundation. You build your life on Jesus. But then he went on and he said that we have the choice. How are we going to build on the foundation, which is Jesus? You have the choice. And he gives an analogy. He says, some of you build on this foundation, Jesus, with stuff, and he speaks metaphorically, stuff that's like gold or silver or precious stones. And some, 
as though you're building using wood or hay or straw. And what does he say? In essence, those of you who are building with hay or straw, and I think of the three little pigs, (laughs) don't you? Those of you who are building with hay or straw, he says you will escape the fire. But he, he says that everything that we do will be tested by fire. And so he said, yes, you will be saved, but only as though you are just barely escaping the fire. The the implication is, choose wisely how you build your life. Choose wisely that that you are intentional in working out your salvation. We do this with fear and trembling. Sometimes we may wonder why we aren't farther along in our faith. You ever wonder that? How come I'm not any further along in my faith? Is it because we don't take our faith that seriously? Yes, we're saved. But man, we spend so much time focused on so many other areas of our life. I believe that the Apostle Paul calls the believers in Philippi And he calls you and me. Work out your salvation. Work it out with fear and trembling. And I I offer this challenge to you. If you don't like where you're at spiritually, if, if you think about your own spiritual life, first off, are you saved? Have, do you know for sure? I am not asking, are you religious? Religious people don't gain access into the kingdom of God. God is not impressed with religion. People who have faith in Jesus develop relationship with God. And that is what gives us access into the kingdom of God. So make sure that your salvation is, is certain. But then I also ask you this, if you'd say, I, am just, I know I'm saved. Be grateful. You are saved by grace. It's not what you have done. So that's, what a wonderful promise. But then are you also willing to take ownership for yourself? Because I don't believe that God wants us just to try to coast spiritually through life. No, are we willing to take ownership? This takes, this takes time. It takes, it's a process. Do you have spiritual discipline in your life? Again, if you grew up in a legalistic environment, these words can be hard to hear. It takes us back to rules. Do this, definitely don't do that. And that's hard. That rubs us the wrong way. But I also believe that these words are intentionally here for us to hear. And we should not try to skirt around them. Let's read on. Verses 14, uh, through the rest of the passage, my time is kind of winding down. Do everything without complaining or arguing. 
so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Really quick, before I move on, do you ever, do you ever stop and ask yourself the question, God, is this really the truth? Am I really supposed to, I mean, like, everything that we practice in church and everything that we claim that Scripture teaches, is this really the truth? Have you ever found yourself asking that? I have. So, so if you have, you are not alone. I, I am reminding you of what Paul says here because I think that we have to remind ourselves of this. The, the world and its system, its philosophy, its way of, or, of, of just conducting itself that is what's skewed. That is what's off course. That is what is perverted. That is what is, as Paul says, crooked. So I find that when I question whether this is true, it's because I have found strong confrontation from the world's way, saying, oh man, that is so antique. I can't believe you still believe that. And that is what causes me to question. I need to write, remind myself, and I believe that you do, fellow believer. Yeah, oh, yes, that's right. The world is what's crooked. The world is what's perverse. So, of course, they're not going to see things clearly. I just remind you of that. Paul goes on. He says... Um, so, so backing up a little bit, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is saying, hey, the backdrop, culture, our society, it's not all that pretty. There's things that are frustrating. But in the midst of this, guess what? We shine. We shine bright. And the analogy that I've used before is that the darker it grows around us, metaphorically speaking, the, the darker the world, our culture around us seems to get, the more lost we seem to be. Don't you have those moments where you just think, my goodness, we are so lost. I, I was, I mean, I have had conversations with some younger people, and some of the things that I have heard, some of the language I have heard from kids who are like 8, 9, and 10, I am just like appalled. And all it does is it tells me the culture around us is pretty dark. It's getting pretty bad. That's the backdrop. And guess what? You shine. Your relationship with Jesus is what causes you to shine. You shine like a star in the universe as you hold out the word of life. So keep holding out the word of life. Don't let go. Don't let culture and that which, which we are bombarded with, that's old-fashioned, that's, that's antique. Don't let those messages fool with your head. Keep holding out the word of truth. 
hold out the word of life. You shine. You shine like stars. I, uh, at the beginning of this, of verse 14, it's interesting where it says, Paul says, do everything without complaining or arguing. I find that interesting because um, Paul is, is saying right before this, he says, work out your salvation. And then it's interesting what he has that follows it. Because my tendency would be to think, oh, now he's going to talk about you should um, resist idols, abstain from sexual immorality, stuff like that, you know, like the biggies, you know, as we think about them. And, and I'm not saying that those things are incorrect. Those things are correct. That is part of us working out our salvation. But I find it so interesting that what Paul actually says, okay, you want to work out your salvation? Stop complaining. <laughs> Would you just stop complaining and stop grumbling? That's part of working out your salvation. You know, when I look at Philippians, the things that, that Paul would indicate, imply, are part of working out your salvation, it, it would be, I think, it would be stuff like choose to have the attitude which puts other people before yourself. That's working out your salvation. Choose to stop grumbling. Choose to stop griping, complaining. That's working out your salvation. See, that's, that's the practical piece of working out your salvation. Choose to have a love that abounds for one another. We see that in the very first chapter. Those are the things that Paul would say in this book. That's working out your salvation. That's working out your salvation. Well, this morning, we're, um, we're going to observe communion. And um, this is interesting, I think, coming at a time like this. Because I, I so far have not had a message where I have focused on um, words like this, where work out your salvation and now let's, talk, let's, let's observe communion. I, I haven't done that before, um, but I'm doing that now. Again, remember that this is not work for your salvation. No, it's not that. This is work out your salvation. I, I was reminded this last week about the disciples in the upper room, like right before Jesus shared um, Passover, Lord's Supper, as we call it now, with his disciples. And I thought about the 12 guys who were around the table with him. And I thought about how each of those guys was, was pretty weak in their faith. But because of the act of what Jesus accomplished on the cross the next day, salvation was secure. It was certain for 11 of the 12. Remember, Judas just betrayed 
went off, committed suicide. Um, but for 11 of those guys around the table, their, their faith began in that moment. Guess what? Those guys, for their lifetime, chose to allow God to continue the work that he started, and they also chose to partner with God in working out their salvation. You look at the apostles, the early disciples, and they grew over their lifetime. Praise God, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Salvation happens in a moment. And that is by the grace of God. And we are saved continually, I believe, by the continuing grace of God. But we are also called to work out our salvation. I asked Seth if he would come and play. And, um, and, and a couple things here. First off, if you need a communion cup, you did not receive one, please just raise your hand so that Mike can get you one. But um, also... As Seth, is pray, as Seth is playing, I just ask that you would, would just reflect on your salvation. Reflect on the relationship that you have with God our Father because of faith in Jesus. If you don't have that, what an opportunity to, to just respond. Um, you can respond where you're at. You can even come up here and talk to me. But it, it is just simply placing your faith in Jesus. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I know I'm sinful and I need your forgiveness. I place my faith in you. But I also ask you to consider, as Seth is playing, consider what is your response? I trust it's thankfulness, but I also trust that your response is, God, because I love you and because of the grace that you have offered to me, I, I want to respond in an, an act of self-discipline, spiritual discipline, growing in my relationship with you. Thank you that you are patient, but may I continue to do my best to work out my salvation.